invite you to open your Bible this morning with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We've been talking about the blessings that we enjoy in the Lord, in Christ, to the responsibilities that we have in Him. The blessings that we enjoy to the responsibilities that we have in Him. And here in chapter 5, Paul is telling the church how to walk in their new life in Christ Jesus. How should we walk in our new life? Last week we looked at chapter 5 verse 18 where he tells the church that they should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we ought to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit-filled believer, the evidence of a Spirit-filled believer, you see it, and that they are joyful, they're thankful, and then they're submissive. The two traits and qualities that we went over last week is that they are joyful and that they are thankful, but the Holy Spirit also enables us so that we would be submissive. And this is the true test to spirituality. You want to know how spiritual you truly are? How joyful, grateful, or submissive are you? Because any profession that lacks these characteristics, these virtues, is a false profession of a feeling of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know something this morning. Every Christian, every believer, every man and woman of God is called to be submissive and is called to be humble. This is foundational to all relationships that we have. In fact, the next few weeks we're going to talk about relationships And relationships, not only that are filled with the Spirit, but that also are led by the Spirit of God. Relationships between husbands and wives. Relationships between parents and children. Between employers and employees. Today we've titled the message, The Spirit-Filled Wife. The Spirit-Filled Wife. Now husbands, don't get too excited. Next week we're going to talk about your role. But today we talk about the Spirit-filled wife and we look at three major things in chapter 5 of this section in regards to what the wife's role is in the marriage as she is filled with the Spirit. Number one, there's an exhortation and that is to all of us, both husbands and wives, men and women. The second is the expectation and then finally the example, the exhortation the expectation, and then the example. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word as we open there to Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 21. I'll read the odd verses and you will read the even verses out loud together. It says this, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. So Lord, we thank You for this text that provides to us Your divine authority, Your Lord order as You have ordained in Your Word of submission. We ask, sir, that we would be submitted to one another. Lord, that we would 
surrender to you that God, you would reign. In Jesus' name, and together we said, Amen. You may be seated. Here in verse 21, we receive the exhortation, and that is to all of us. It's a mutual submission that we talk about. It's a mutual submission that Paul is going to exhort the believers that are filled with the Spirit that they should live in and live by. Notice he says in verse 21, those that are filled with the Spirit, not only should they be joyful and thankful, but also submissive. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. The Spirit-filled believer is marked by mutual submission. Notice, it begins by mutual submission. When we talk about submission, it begins by mutual submission. And to be submissive, it means to really voluntarily place yourself under the authority of someone else. You voluntarily humble yourself and place yourself under the authority, under the leadership of someone else. In fact, it's a military word. It means to be under in rank. To be under in rank. And any, anyone that's served in the military or knows rank structure, knows that rank has to do with order. Rank has to do with authority. It doesn't have to do with value. And it doesn't have to do with ability. So when we talk about submission today, understand that it has to do with order. It has to do with authority. It does not have to do with ability or with value. So here he's saying, take on this attitude. Submission is an attitude that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Take on this attitude to rank under other people. That you would learn to rank under one another. In fact, what he's saying is, be a team player. <laughs> Be a team player. Don't be thoughtless. Think about other people. That we would not be those that are filled with the Spirit, but only thinking about ourselves. The Spirit-filled believer is not self-seeking. The Spirit-filled believer is happy, is blessed when somebody else succeeds or so when someone else is doing well. So here he's speaking to us as Christians to humble ourselves, submit to one another, and to serve one another. What does it produce when we submit to one another? It produces a harmony that complements a unity in the church. Do you know why the church is in need of submission, of mutual submission that honors God? Because it promotes unity. Because God is honored in that submission. Not that we would respond in rebellion or respond now in resistance, but that we would be clothed as men and women of God in submission, that we would fall in line with the will of the Holy Spirit. Would you remember that this morning, that we would fall in line, as it would describe it there, with the will of the Holy Spirit. Now when we speak of mutual submission, we must understand this, that when we are lovingly submitted to the Lord, we will lovingly submit to one another. A person that's not submitted to God will not submit to anyone else. We must learn to submit to God so that we can submit in other relationships that we have. And so there it says in verse 21, submit, rank under, serve, humble yourself to serve someone else in the fear of the Lord. 
Now, what is the motivation for our submission? The reverence and the respect that we have for the Lord. We're not submitting to one another just because we want some type of social kindness now and a getting together of people, but we're submitting to to one another for Christ's sake. And we do it in fear of the Lord. We do it because of our obedience to God as a response to our fear with the Lord. And this fear that it speaks about there in verse 21, it's a fear that's compatible with love. So this means that when you really love someone, when you respect someone, when you care about pleasing the Lord, you are going to be afraid to disappoint the one you love. So he says here, because you love God, you are afraid, you have a reverence, there's a respect now, and you do not want to disobey Him. This submission that he speaks of in verse 21 is in obedience to God. It's the same submission that the Son demonstrated to the Father. The Son Christ, He was in submission to the will of the Father all the way to the cross. And there it says, in the fear of the Lord. Did you know that that's the most important quality in finding a spouse in Christ? The most important quality in your marriage, the most important quality in your life as a single person, as an employee, as an employer, towards your parents or towards your children, the way that you lead your family, is that you would look for in someone else the fear of God. If you see the fear of God, there is also the wisdom of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, Solomon would say this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So what does this tell us? That the Holy Spirit will fill us, and then the Holy Spirit will drill us to submission. The Holy Spirit fills us, The Holy Spirit drills us to submission. Why? Because it is by our own nature that we want to promote ourselves. We don't want to submit to people. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. We want to reign in our human sinful nature. But when we're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables us to submit to other people. To submit now wives to husbands, children to parents, employees to employers. Christians, men and women, to God. But what does submission produce in our lives? I'm going to give you three things in what submission produces in your own life as a Christian. Number one, submission produces kindness. This is a quality that we all need, kindness. It was there in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, that Paul told the church, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Be kindly affectionate with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. What does, submission, what does submission do? It gives preference to one another. And therefore, you find kindness in your relationships. But submission not only does that, it also produces humility, number two. It produces humility. It was Peter that exhorted those younger people and the church as a whole to submit to one another. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he says this, Likewise, you younger people, 
Younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Be a submitted people to your elders. Yes, all of you, now includes everyone, be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud. But what does He do? He gives grace to the humble. Submission produces humility. If you're wondering why there is no kindness or there's no humility, it's because we lack submission. We must submit to the Lord that these values, that these virtues would be evident. But submission also, not only does it produce kindness, humility, but also unity. It produces unity in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul tells the church of Philippi, Therefore, speaking to a church that needs unity, if there's any consolation, any comfort of love, if you sense the love of Christ in you, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, if there's true love among you, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but for also for the interest of others. So submission is producing this type of unity where we humble ourselves in order to serve other people. Where we humble ourselves in order to carry one another's burdens. Where we use the authority that God has given us not to make ourselves important, but we use the authority that God has given us in order to serve and to build other people. Just ask yourself that question. That place where God has given you to work, to serve your family, are you using it for your own benefit or are you submissive unto the Lord to serve other people? Now I want you to know something when it comes to submission. Submission doesn't mean that you're always right. <laughs> submission means that at different times is going to be someone else's turn to humble themselves and ask for forgiveness. To humble themselves and serve other people. It means that we're willing to be servants and we're willing to honor God. So here even in verse 22, he's going to shift the attention specifically as to how submission applies to marriage, how it applies to Christ and the church. Now I want you to know something. Submission begins in the home. It begins in the home. It doesn't necessarily begin here as we gather as believers. It begins at your home with your family. And here we're going to look at the Christian biblical worldview of marriage. In order for your marriage to work, as we're going to look at in the next two weeks, it's going to need the filling of the Holy Spirit that we've spoken about. You can't do it without your, with your own strength, without the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit, it's that blessed oil of the Holy Spirit that makes the machinery of marriage run and work smoothly. And if we're going to look to marriage, we have to understand that it's God's divine institution. God created marriage. So He also created the order of marriage. The authority of marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one 
flesh. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Marriage is the only relationship that will last your entire life that's designed to last. It's not with your children. It's with your spouse. Your children are supposed to leave. (laughs) It says, therefore, a man shall leave. Some of the parents here are really blessed hearing that, right? But notice, they'll leave the house and become one in their marriage. Therefore, you should never neglect your marriage even or because of giving attention to your children. Your children are called one day to leave, but you and your spouse will remain. You know what the order is to love God? Love your spouse, and then love your children. That is the order there. And God is protective about marriage. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 10.9, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. God hates divorce. And today, more than ever, the enemy is coming to give a satanic assault against marriages. Why? Because marriages represent the relationship between Christ and the church's bride. So here he's going to give us this divine order and authority that began not in culture, but in creation. Many people read this text and think, well, that's a cultural standard of marriage when it comes to women and men or wives and husbands. No, it's not cultural. It's not from culture. It's from creation. Write this down, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 8. For man is not from woman, but woman from man, nor was man created from the woman, but woman from the man. From creation. These roles have nothing to do with worth or to do with equality, but here he's going to speak in regards to responsibility and in regards to calling now. Now as we, we go to the wife's role, he's not suggesting that the woman is inferior to the man. That's not what he's saying. Nor is he saying that women must be in subjection to men in every situation. Here he's giving us a clear understanding so that you know what your role is in marriage. What is your role? And that you would follow the biblical now role, not the cultural trend. Not what the culture tells you. What does the Bible say? Have you ever purchased a product and outside there's a label that says for the best results, follow the instructions. You want the best results in your marriage? Follow the instructions of the Word of God. Here they are. Ephesians chapter 5 on marriage. So that we would not be confused by this corrupt world that's changing culture that constantly is opposing trying to redefine marriage. You see, as the marriage goes, so does the culture go. And today there's a lot of strongholds when it comes to marriage. So today we pray that today, next week, throughout this time that we're here, that that God through His Spirit would break the strongholds and that we would see healing, forgiveness, and restoration in the marriages of the church. Amen. How many of you guys believe that God can do that? Now let's look at the expectation. Verse 22. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Here he's speaking of submission now within marriage and how it applies 
to the wives. How does it look like there? Where it says, wives recognize that someone has that legitimate authority over you. That there is an order of authority in the team that you are in of marriage. Everything that God does from creation, everything that He does, everything that He creates, God does it in order and it glorifies Himself. Paul told the church of Corinth, let everything you do be done decently and in order. So submission for the wife is here for the function and for the order of the marriage. What does submission mean in marriage? It is for the function and for the order of marriage. Now, you submit to your husband, as it would say there, wives, because you love him as well. <laughs> there are a lot of times that wives would say, well, I'm submitting to my husband. But every time you submit, you complain about submitting to the husband. I just wish I didn't have to submit to this husband. I want you to know something. Submission is not your job. Submission is your joy. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And a Spirit-filled wife is producing joy. And also, as a result, is submitting willingly to her husband. Now you may be tempted to say, the wives, well, you know, that was written in the Bible before my husband was born. I heard a story of Albert Einstein that he went out to eat to celebrate with his wife 50 years of marriage. And he went there and someone approached him and said, congratulations for 50 years of marriage. How did you do it? How did you make it? 50 years of marriage. He said, well, before we got married, we agreed that I would make all the major decisions and that my wife would make all the minor decisions. And he paused and he thought and he said, well, after 50 years, there hasn't been any major decisions. <laughs> you know, submission is important. Submission doesn't mean you're inferior, wives. Submission doesn't mean silence. Break that word up, submission. Submission. Sub means to place yourself under another. And then there's a mission. The submission with a mission. And what this means here now, that there is a mission for Christian marriage. There is a mission for Christian marriage. And that mission is to obey and to glorify God. So what the wife says when she submits is that she's saying, I'm putting myself under that mission to obey and to glorify God. That mission is more important than your personal desires or your personal opinion now. You're saying that is more important. I'm putting myself not below my husband. I'm putting myself below the mission that God has for our marriage and for my life. You see how important this is? In fact, for the wife, submission means servanthood. It means that you come as a helper that's comparable to the husband and you come as a helpmate to encourage him, to serve him, to support him because that is the environment, the atmosphere that the husband thrives in, encouragement. Just give your husband words of affirmation. <laughs> and he'd be one that is so encouraged to continue to serve. You see, a woman, can, a, a, a woman can really encourage her husband, but she can also discourage him with her words. And here he's saying, be one that is submitted, that is there 
ready to serve your husband. Now this world today has looked at submission as a bad word. It's not a bad word, it's a biblical word. It's a word that describes a person that is filled with the Spirit. And if it's a word that describes a person that is filled with the Spirit, then we should all attain to be submissive people. That we would be submissive people. In fact, there is nowhere in this world where women are elevated, exalted, lifted up more into their proper place than in Jesus Christ. That is where they're elevated most, in Jesus Christ. Their identity, their worth is in Christ Jesus. Think about countries where there's no Christian influence. What happens there? There's also no respect for women there. But here he speaks now to the women in their submission to the Lord. And it says, to your own husband. Now circle that word, to your own husband. The Greek there, husband, is the word aner. And it's translated to the word man. Man. Here it says, the wife is required by the Holy Spirit to submit to her own man. Notice, submit to your own man, to your own husband. This here also gives us the definition of marriage between one man and one woman. And it limits her submission to one man, that one man that God has placed in her life over her in her marriage. Now to the Christian wife, it means that no matter what type of education you have, what type of spiritual maturity, abilities, knowledge of Scripture, or any other qualifications in relation to those who are your husband, you are still required by the Holy Spirit to submit to Him and to serve Him. And I want you to know something. Submission is not for the husband to command. He doesn't say, you ought to submit to me. He doesn't have to necessarily command it from a wife that is filled with the Spirit because she will willingly and lovingly offer that submission as modesty as honor, as respect, service unto the Lord. Why? Because submission is an act of love. I want you to know that this morning. Submission is an act of humility. Submission is an act of service now. And our submission to one another, as it would say there, to be submitted to one another, it's not based off of performance. It's based off of obedience. So you can't say, well, you know, I would submit to my husband, but you just don't know what kind of man he is. It's not based off of the performance, the worthiness. It's based off the obedience that the woman would have unto the Lord. But know this, a woman will submit more willingly to her husband when he is submitted to the Lord. And all the ladies said it. Right? <laughs> I was working at the bank a few years ago and I was there welcoming people in the lobby to come in. And as it was my job on that day, and as I was walking them, welcoming to come in, I was talking to a woman there and she looks across the lobby and she says, listen, do you see that man standing across the lobby? I said, yes. She said, that's my husband. I've been married to him for 30 years. And let me tell you something, and I, and I almost cringed a little. I said, don't say it, please. But she said, I love him so much. I am so in love with that man. Every single day I wake up more in love with him. She showed her submission to her husband in the way that she spoke about him to other people. 
Do you see here how submission is so important? And notice how it describes it. As unto the Lord. There's two motivations as to why submission should happen. As unto the Lord. Number one, the reason is the Lordship of Christ. As unto the Lord. The attitude of the wife is that her spiritual supreme act of obedience is submission to God. She is fully submitted to the Lord. And because she is submitted to the Lord, she understands that this is God's will for her life. So here as unto the Lord is lifting this command to a higher, holier, more heavenly plane that we would understand that this is unto God. It's because you're submitted to God first. When a woman understands and a wife understands that God truly is Lord over her life, that she is submitted to God as the Lordship over her life, then she will not have difficulty submitting to her husband. And here it says, as unto the Lord, it's not simply when you agree with Him or when you're thinking He's making the right decision or when He's going to do something that's really going to benefit you. As unto the Lord means because it pleases and because it honors God. Now, it's been said before, if you look to your husband, you can get depressed. (laughs) But if you look to Jesus, you'll be blessed. And that's exactly what it's commanding the woman to look to Jesus, that your submission would be unto Him first, and as a result, as a byproduct, you will naturally, willingly offer your submission to your husband. It's crucial that the man, the husband, also be in his place so that the woman could submit to him. And therefore, she can flourish in her submission in her role that God has given her. Now notice what Paul tells Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 4. When speaking of submission, he tells here Titus, instruct the older women. He says this, that they admonish younger women. Tell the older women that they would now disciple the young women To do number one, love your husbands. What is the older women's responsibility? To teach, be an example to younger women. What does it look like to love your husband? And then, number two, to love your children. To be discreet, chaste homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. That you would be an example to the younger women looking up to you on what does it mean to submit, to obey, and to love your husband. These are important qualities here because it moves now to the authority and the structure that God has ordained. He has said it Himself. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Here it says the husband's role. What is the husband's role? He is the head of the wife. He has the leadership. He has the responsibility. He has the authority given to him by God. Now, it's a headship. It's not a dictatorship. What does that mean? That when we submit to one another, when the wife submits even to the husband, each are for one another. The husband and the wife are for one another, but both of them are for the Lord. Both of them are for the Lord. What does this mean? That all of us answer to our own accountability. The wife answers to the accountability and the authority of her husband, And the husband answers the accountability and the authority of the Lord. How does the husband exercise this type of headship or leadership? What do we call it? Servant 
leadership. You want to be the head of your home the right way? Then be a servant leader. It was there in Genesis chapter 2 that we find that illustration as to when Adam was resting in the garden and God came and as he was sleeping that he took out of his side, out of his ribs, and he made a woman and he called her Eve and he gave her to the man. Now notice, he didn't take the, out of his feet that he would you know, stomp over the woman, his wife. And he didn't take the woman out of his head that she would compete with the authority. But he took the woman out of his side that she would be a helpmate comparable to him. That they would side by side walk together and serve one another. Some would say, well, you know, my husband can be the head. I have no problem him being the head. I'm just the neck that turns the head. That's not what it describes. The husband is called to lead his wife. The husband is called to lead his family. Husbands, men, you need to stand up and be the man of the house. Lead your wife. Lead your families. If you don't lead your families, if you don't lead your wife, there's going to be some problems. The wife is not called to manipulate, to try to control her husband, to try to challenge his authority or his decision making, or try to usurp that place of position that has been given to the man by God. That is not her place. And here he's exhorting the church to realize what God has ordained. You see, this is why it's so important that the Christian husband and wife, they both individually and together should be praying and reading God's Word so that they would know God's will for their lives individually. If you know God's will for your life individually, then you will know how to come together now and honor the Lord. You know why many marriages end in divorce, even in the church, which is heartbreaking and sad? is because men and women, husbands and wives, are not in prayer. They're not hearing from God for what God has for them in their marriage. They're not in the Word of God. How can you submit to one another if you're not submitted to God? If you don't know what God has to say to you each day about and for your marriage. I remember praying recently and the Lord convicted me. I pray asking God for wisdom, direction in my life. Lord, what do you have? Even for the ministry. But the Lord said, have you sought me for your marriage? What do I have to say about that right now? What is God saying to you today as you're seeking the Lord together and individually? What is God saying to you about your marriage? What is He saying? Notice how it describes there, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. This is the second reason why she should submit because of the lordship over her own life, but also the headship of man is Christ. As Christ is the head of or the authority of the church. You see, she should submit to her own husband because the relationship of the husband and the wife models the relationship of the union between Jesus and the church. We have a very important responsibility to represent the relationship in our marriage between Christ and the church. What would happen today if the church, if the congregation was not submitted to Christ the head. If we were not submitted to Christ the head, there would be chaos right now. If we, didn't, we, we, if we were not submitted to Christ who is the head, then there, there would not be order. There would be divisions. 
You see, the church owes its head, Christ, our obedience. We owe the church. We owe our obedience to Christ. The wife, likewise, there in verse 23, owes her obedience to her husband as he is called to mirror the Lord Jesus through his behavior. Do you see here how this order of authority is important? And it says here, he is the head of the wife. Notice, there cannot be two heads in the marriage. There's one head. What happens when there's two heads? You start to bump heads. Argue all the time. There's confusion. There's division. You see, there's nothing worse than to see a woman developing these dominant traits, masculine traits, to try to control her husband. Nothing worse. As likewise, there's nothing worse of a man now exhibiting these marked feminine traits where he doesn't lead his wife. You see how important this is right here? And the Bible speaks to us, he's here speaking to the wives because naturally the wife instinctively in her nature she's going to want to control her husband. And you would say, well that's not true about me. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 after the fall of man when the Lord came and he's cursed Adam and Eve and he says because you you sinned now Adam you're going to now, the consequence of your sin is that you're going to provide for your family by the sweat of your brow. You're going to labor and toil the earth. And to the woman, he would say this, and he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in your pain you will give birth. Now you're going to give birth through pain. And he said this, and your desire will be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You're going to want to, you're going to have a desire to try to control him, try to manipulate, try to change now the direction, everything he says. You're going to want to look to be in charge. But that's not the order of authority that's set from creation. God is the ultimate authority, and he's held us all accountable to him as the head. Would you write this down, 1 Corinthians 11.3? But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. God has ordained this. Colossians 1.18 Colossians 1.18 Paul tells the church they're in Colossae. And He is the head. Christ is the head of the body. The church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have preeminence. That God would be first in everything. He is the head. The man submits to Christ and the woman submits to her husband. Now this is the divine authority that we're reading here in Ephesians 5. If this is out of authority, if this is out of order, everything in your life is going to be out of order. Everything is going to be out of order. If if it's out of order at home, then it's going to be out of order at church. If it's out of order at home, it's going to be out of order wherever you go. A home that is out of this divine order is not going to honor God. Wives, you're called to follow, submit, and serve your husband. In fact, you married him. (laughs) And notice what you said when you married him. What did you say? I do. And when you said I do, you need to make sure you do what you said you would do. And that was to what? Be a helpmate 
comparable to your husband. As he is, verse 23, the Savior of the body. Christ is the Savior of the body. What body? The church body. And so likewise, the husband is the Savior. He is the deliverer. He is the protector. He is the defender of the wife. God has given the husband this responsibility so that he would guard, preserve, shield, provide for his wife. That is his role. Just think about this. If the body is resisting what the head is saying, it's going to be a very unhealthy situation. And so likewise in marriage, if the body is resisting what the head is saying, it's going to be a constant division. A constant frustration. Let there not be that frustration in your marriage. Because you're fighting about who's in charge. You know who's in charge? God's in charge. And who has He put to be the head, the responsible? The husband. And here is where He's describing that the woman, the wife, would understand her position in the relationship. This gives us all more of the reason as to why a Christian man or woman should not marry an unbeliever and disobey God's Word. Because when you marry a person that is not a believer, that is not submitted to Christ, they're naturally not going to be submitted to His Word now. And you're going to get in a situation that you're inviting war from the beginning now. And yes, God may forgive sin, but there are still those consequences, sad consequences of forgiven sins. Was it not there in 2 Corinthians 6.14 that Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever? You're going to suffer the consequences of that sin and there's going to be a constant division because there's not a now submission to the Lordship of Christ entirely. You see why these principles are so important? Because they will save your marriage. Finally, after looking there uh, he de- how he describes the roles and understanding that, that Paul is giving us an exhortation, an expectation, we see here now an example. And the example is found in verse 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, there's a responsibility. Just like the church is subject to Christ, notice as it continues, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. Just as the church is submitted to Christ, there's a model and a representation, so let the wives be to their own husbands now in everything. Now that word everything or in everything, it's a present tense form which means constantly, continuously. Let the wife continuously, constantly, faithfully be submitted to her husband in everything. Not just in some things. But in everything. Now there would be those exceptions of when she's asked to do something that, that is sin, yes, or where there's a physical harm, or where there's adultery. Yes, those, in those instances, she is not called to submit. But in everything else, think about that. In everything else, she's called to display the same attitude that the church is called to display Unto Christ. 
What does that mean for us? That every married Christian couple, every married Christian couple should be an illustration to the world, to the non-believer of the relationship between Christ and also the church. That we would show other people through our marriage the relationship that God desires between Christ and his church. Some wives would say today, well, you don't understand. My husband is not a believing man. He's not walking with the Lord. What does that mean for me? What does it mean if, if, if he is not a believer? Well, God's Word tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the Word, even if you have an unbelieving husband, and maybe there are those wives today that are here right now, that their husbands are not walking with the Lord, that even if you don't have a believing husbands, even if they don't obey the Word, that they without a word, notice, you don't have to always preach to him. You don't always have to invite him to church and invite him and invite him. Make it available. But notice what it says. Without a word, they may be won by the conduct of their wives. That your simple actions, your love, your service would win him over to Jesus. That you would love him and serve him until he knows Christ. That it would be your character It'd be those virtues. So what is it describing here for the husband and for the wife here specifically? That both husband and wife are called to die to self. Know that today. Both husband and wife are called to die to self. Submission is the way the wife does that. Both husband and wife are called to sacrifice. Submission is the way the wife sacrifices. Both The husband and the wife are called to model marriage as an illustration between Christ and the church. And submission is how the wife honors that model and that illustration. You see how it's so important that as men and as women, as husbands, as wives, we are first called to submit to the Lord. That He would be the Lord of our lives because when He's the Lord of our lives, then we're submitted to one another willfully as servants. In 1 Peter 3, verse 8, would you write this down? 1 Peter 3, 8. Peter, having spoken to the marriages already, he speaks to the church. He's speaking to me, to you, to all of us right now. Those where there are divisions, those that are at the brink of divorce or separation, or walking away from their marriage, or maybe giving up. Maybe you find yourself constantly fighting at work with an employee, an employer. Regardless of the relationship, he says, finally you be of one mind. Have compassion for one another. When you're submitted to the Lord, you're going to have compassion. Love as brothers. Love one another. Be tender-hearted. Have a soft heart. Courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Don't answer in a response of resistance or retaliation or answering rejecting that we in the roles and the calling as men and women of God would be submitted to the Lord. And you know what submission 
means in order for submission to happen, you know what must ha- has to happen first? What must happen first before submission takes place is surrender. Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender our marriage to you. We surrender our heart to you. Lord, as a wife, you would say, I surrender my heart to you so that I can then willfully submit to the Lord and then to my husband. As the husband, he would say, I want to be submitted to the Lord. So first I need to surrender myself entirely. So that we can sing those songs, Hallelujah, God, you reign. And that he truly would reign in our marriage. He would truly reign in our lives. But what must take place first is that surrender. So maybe today you're here and you're saying, I I truly need the Lord to work in my marriage. I need the Lord to really work in His Spirit in my marriage and and restore and forgive and heal in that marriage. And it's only going to happen as we surrender to the Lord, we ask for forgiveness, and we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves to ask the Lord for forgiveness and ask one another for forgiveness. Can we pray?